c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Welcome back to Fat French and Fabulous. This is another New York City-based podcast. Hooray! I'm still in NYC, and I am, of course, Jessica. And I'm still Janelle, and I'm still in NYC. Yes. Be- because I live I'm here. the only one who's moved anywhere. <laughs> Janelle was here before. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> I'm always here. This is her home, which I am in. I am in the lovely, expansive broom closet that Janelle calls home. Uh, it's expensive here, and I have no money. <laughs> no money. No money at all. No money at so all. So I live in a closet. Yes, but it is a delightful closet. That's good. I just, I get to live on a giant island that smells like other people's armpits. Today, uh, befitting our, our, our very second American-exclusive podcast, Ooh. we're going to be doing a Canadian-themed episode. Uh, for the second time. For the second time in a row. Hooray. That was unplanned, but it is delightful. We came to New York to talk about Canada. <laughs> that's what we're about, son. I mean, that's sort of just what Cultural I Cultural imperialism. Here. Oh my god. Of the Canadians over yes. the Americans? We are enforcing the Canadian cultural hegemon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna start rounding them up and making them watch Corner Gas. <laughs> this is Rick Mercer. He's your new vassal king. Oh, he's retiring. <laughs> oh, is he? That's oh, sad. I'm sad. He's retiring to become vassal king of the Americas. I don't... <laughs> I don't think that's the plan, but... Sure. Or maybe he, or maybe he's tired and would like to do some gardening. I don't know. <laughs> it's either gardening or vassal king of the Americas. <laughs> There's no other option. It's your choice, Mercer. <laughs> specifically, our topic is Canadian heists. Not necessarily heists that took place in Canada, but specifically heists that could only happen due to the profound absurdity of Canada's national character. This is why we will not be discussing the 2009 theft of $25,000 worth of bull semen, cattle embryos, and liquid nitrogen. What? As while it indeed took place in Canada, it is decidedly off-brand. What? Is that not Canadian enough for you? No. People stealing large amounts of bull semen? It just... it doesn't speak to the, the flavor of the nation. Ew, is that our national flavor, bull semen? <laughs> God damn it. It is now. Mm, Canada tastes like Red Bull. Mm. <laughs> there also isn't all that much to say about the story beyond the words, somebody stole $25,000 worth of bull semen, which is, as sentences go, sensational. It's, it's a good one. It's a good I sentence. I want to know how you resell <laughs> Stolen bull semen. Is I there a bull semen black market? I don't know how you fence bull semen. <laughs> Somebody's like, you know what? I could get these cows knocked up legitimately. Or. Or. We could hit the black market. Yeah. You would presume it was somebody with some connection to the industry. Like. I don't think any, uh, there's an outsider stealing that much bull semen. Yeah. I just like, do you, do you drive door to door trying to sell this? Or do you like, mm. do people order this in the mail? Yeah. Do you just like go to a, go to a sketchy corner in the middle of Chinatown and just. Try to sell it to people passing by? Do people who live in Chinatown have farms with cows that need impregnating? Who is, knows? Is that a national stereotype that I was not previously aware of? I'm unsure. Uh, was... I'm confused. I am baffled. <laughs> I'm bewildered. Bewildered by bull semen. We all are. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's recognize first that Canadian money 
is spectacular. It's excellent. It's great. It is bright, color-coded currency that is fashionable and functional. Hardy, waterproof, with nuanced, effective security measures. Transparent windows and reflective holographic foil like a limited edition Charizard. Also, if you leave a stack of it on your dashboard on a hot day, it will melt together. It will melt. It will actually so, melt. We may need to dial- Our money is plastic. <laughs> we need to dial back on maybe the functionality. You can put it through- Can you put it through a washing machine? Absolutely. Okay. And I have many a time. Of course you have. <laughs> this was like Jessica's number one expense before we made the switch to plastic money. It yep. wasn't rent. It wasn't bill. It was just the amount of money she lost physically washing it. Yeah, just destroying physical currency by forgetting it in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> my dad doesn't check the pockets, okay? <laughs> Your washing machine single-handedly kept inflation down. <laughs> taking a certain amount of money out of circulation every year. You're welcome. National service. You're welcome. <laughs> Order of Canada to you and your washing machine. <laughs> to us both. It's a, it's a mutual thing. We are equals in this endeavor. Oh, good. That, of course, is just the bills. The coins are a wonder of their own, particularly the pride and joy of Canadian currency. The $1 coin known as the loonie or what? the wild. The toonie is definitely the national treasure. Yeah, but, like, it doesn't have the fun pun in French. In French, it's just called the $2. They just call it the $2. It's ridiculous. This is why, why don't I... they have that delightful pun of the toonie? This is why we make you people live in Quebec and not interact with us ever. Right? Yeah, we don't we What don't the like hell, you. Quebec? New Brunswick, pick up the slack. See, we have the loony, and then we got a $2 coin, and we're just like, hmm, what are we going to call this thing? And then some brilliant human being sipping maple syrup out of a, out of a jar. <laughs> and, As one does on a and, Tuesday. And casually chopping down a redwood. He just thought, hey, I think I got it. <laughs> What province are you in that you're drinking syrup out of a jar and chopping down a redwood? I have are no you in idea. British Columbia? Are you're you in British in Quebec? Columbia. You're definitely in British Columbia. I think maple that's syrup, a... though. Everywhere drinks that's maple syrup like out of jars. It's our national drink. I was say you just sound like a lost Quebec lumberjack. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just you know you wander, you get lost in the woods, and then you end up in British Columbia. It happens. <laughs> you just you're just unconscious, I guess, for all of Saskatchewan. Mm. You just. Don't even notice. This Just is... black out somewhere in Manitoba and wake up on wake wake up on the west coast. Ah, <laughs> uh, our national sport. <laughs> it is a delightful pastime. <laughs> I also like that the Canadian mint likes to push boundaries with Canadian coins. Oh yes. Like we were the first ones to have colored money, <laughs> a colored coin, which was completely pointless. We had uh, Remembrance Day poppies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had we had quarters that had. Um... Yeah, for our version of Veterans Day. The Remembrance actual, Day, which is the real one. Which is the real one that everyone else celebrates. Uh, we have a little red poppy on it. Yeah, there's a little Very red cute. printed image of a poppy that scratches off after about three days in your pocket. Mm -hmm. But we had colored money, and then other countries were like, screw you, Canada, we want colored money too. So then <laughs> this year, Canada was like, fuck you. Our money, our coins glow in the dark now. <laughs> they glow in the dark! Yeah, so two, you can get toonies that glow in the dark. Yeah, Just... the Canadian mint is run by five-year-olds. They, Literal five year It's in Winnipeg. Nobody's supervising any of them. <laughs> uh, and the reason why it's called the loony for our American, British, and now Australian listeners. Hello, Australia. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Hope you don't mind that one episode where we spent the entire time insulting you. Glad you're here. <laughs> Just don't listen to the back catalog too carefully. Yeah, yeah. But the reason why the loony is called the loony is because there's a engraving of a common loon on the tail end of the coin. 
the common loon being a species of red-eyed demon birds that howl like wolves in the night. They do. They're terrifying. They are terrifying They sound birds. like human screams, but not quite. It's yeah. just far enough away that you're like, nope, I'm not investigating that. You're just like, is that a person or is it a Wendigo? I don't know and I don't care. I'm letting it die, whatever yeah, it is. It sounds like it's going to eat me. But then it never ends because it's just loons it's and it goes on loon. all night. They just, they just, that's just what they do. Loons are the worst neighbors to have. They don't give a shit that you're sleeping. <laughs> they want to scream, and they're gonna. I just like that we named the loony after what's on it, and we're like, all right, what do we call this $2 coin with polar bears on it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking toony. <laughs> the worst. The worst. We're the worst people. We shouldn't be even trusted to have money. We should go back to the barter system. <laughs> we should just be tra trading beaver pelts again. <laughs> Which is, the, of course, the economy that Canada was founded on. <laughs> it's just like, you're in the U.S. and you're like, alright, I want to ship these goods to Canada, but in exchange I have to accept many, many moose hides. <laughs> I don't know what the exchange rate is on a moose hide. How much craft beer is worth one moose hide? <laughs> Uh, the head side, of course, is a dazzling profile of good Queen Bess being a saucy little minx as always. Okay, your sexual attraction to Queen Elizabeth II frightens me? Conf Don't say that. She's a dashing older woman. <laughs> She's like 83. And? <laughs> <laughs> at some point in the year 2007, somebody at the Royal Mint got a little too excited staring at millions of copies of Her Majesty Lizzie Reg Regina looking absolutely slamming in, in miniature and decided to create the BML, the Big Maple Leaf. The Big Maple Leaf <laughs> is a limited edition coin released by the Canadian Mint in 2007. It is extremely rare and as only six were ever made. No, seriously, our mint is insane. Insane. Our mint is just like, all right, we've made colored money, We've made glow-in-the-dark money, and they're like, all right, now we're going to make giant money. Giant money. But only six of them. So the coin is highly reminiscent of the $1 loony in color and shape, but the loon on the tail side of the coin is replaced with a stylized maple leaf, while the head side retains bodacious babe Queen Betty, and I will not apologize for appreciating the queen's body. She might be a far-off, purely symbolic head of state to you, but to me, she's just Betty from the block. What block? Buckingham Palace? <laughs> That's not the block. Nobody gets to call that the it block. It is a block. It's not. It's a, it's it a is palace. A block. <laughs> it is the seat of power for the Western world. No. <laughs> no, it's not the block. And also, like, how do you... Is the Commonwealth a block? It really depends how you define things. How do you emotionally handle carrying Canadian money? <laughs> like, how do you make transactions when you're just in a... When you're just in, like, a deep state of sexual arousal the entire time? <laughs> Like, you're like, oh, Bessie. It makes every transaction a little more exciting. Run away with me. And the guy's just like, lady, like, are you gonna pay for the Slurpee or not? I'll leave you for now, Lizzie, but not for long. Not for long. <laughs> she was old when you were born. <laughs> I was born in the QE2, the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Grand Prairie. No, the QE2 was a highway. We don't yes. know. No, no. The Queen Elizabeth, the hospital where I was born is, was the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Oh my god, the is Queen that Elizabeth why- is the second hospital. Is that why the highway is called QE2? No, it's unrelated. Okay, good. I was like, hanging, <laughs> holy shit, did I miss this my entire life? No, no. We, no. we named our hospital some little pissant town 
in 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 Alberta. Name we named our hospital after the Queen for her jubilee. Naming things after the Queen is just what Canada does it's when we run out of ideas. It's what we run out of ideas. We're you know, like, you know like, what? We're out of ideas. We already named things after the local native languages. We've already named things after our founders. Uh, how about the Queen? The Queen, right? The Queen. <laughs> it's lazy. Lazy! And it makes it impossible for Jessica to go places. <laughs> She's just overcome. <laughs> this I am rot. <laughs> this is even like the respect of a citizen toward her reigning monarch. This is just... I think this is actually actively worse than the average Canadian's indifference towards the monarchy. <laughs> I think this is actively worse than active republicanism. <laughs> there are people who want to overthrow the queen who I think are more respected by the monarchy <laughs> than active sexual lust for the current reigning reigning head of state. Right, like, <laughs> threats against the queen, they know what to deal with. Indifference toward the queen, they know how to deal with. Deep lust toward the queen. They just, what do you do for that? There's, there's no amount of stoic guards in weird hats that can possibly defend against that. I went to London exactly once and I've never been back. <laughs> it was too much. It was too much. Much too much. Just knowing that she was in within mere kilometers of me. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> <laughs> the reason we keep I can barely handle it. Vancouver. It's why I've been banished to the West Coast. <laughs> it's the only place far enough to restrain me. Uh, well, if we weren't on a watch list before, we are now. <laughs> so that's great. In terms of composition, B the BML is uh, 999.99 parts per thousand pure gold. The purity of the gold was kind of the point. These coins were minted to commemorate a new line of high purity bullion. More importantly, the reason why it's called the Big Maple Leaf instead of the fuck off huge loony. The coin is 3 centimeters, or 1.2 inches, thick, and 53 centimeters, or 21 inches, across. Roughly the size of a bike tire, and weighs 100 kilograms. That'll fit right in your coin purse. I weigh 100 kilograms. They made a coin that is as heavy as me. But also, every time you say BML, what comes to mind is not Big Maple Leaf, but Big Motherfucking Looney. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's its new name now. Big motherfucking loony. Big motherfucking loony. <laughs> uh, if American listeners want to have an intuitive sense of exactly how absolutely bonkers that is without having to open it, an internet browser or, or like do any check a bike tire, math, <laughs> the Canadian Mint made six giant loonies, each weighing two hundred twenty pounds of pure gold. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Seriously, we need to cut the Canadian Mint off its sugar intake. <laughs> So, what the hell did we do with these things? Well, one of them is stored in the Royal Mint. The other five were sold. At the time of their making, each was worth a million dollars Canadian. So, like... Which is still a lot, even in American. 750... No, it's like, it's like 800,000 American now. Yeah. The, the dollar's gone up. Mm-hmm. We're because at 80%. Trump's bad at things. Woo! <laughs> na, na, no, it's actually due na, to a na, complex na. interaction between the Canadian interest rates and global confidence in the Canadian economy. But that's way less fun and not nearly so hot a take. Blame Trump. <laughs> Trump. 
How dare you? <laughs> it is your fault that, that Canadians, the Canadian hedge money is on the rise. No, I want it to go up. Please, God. <laughs> Every time I make an international wire transfer, I just want to go out back and stare into the sky <laughs> and wonder why I came here. <laughs> Ask an unloving deity why, why, why. <laughs> By 2017, they had appreciated in value to $4 million each. No. Oh. Uh, incidentally, I actually have seen one of these in person. What? Uh, I saw it in the, a museum in Toronto, and I was utterly devastated that it wasn't filled with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> just seems like you should be able to peel it open and, and... yeah, and just have it, have it, have it, take a bite. Sadly, <laughs> no. It is merely made out of worthless metal. Oh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> can't eat gold. At least you shouldn't. I mean, you um, can't. You can do anything with the right attitude. You can do anything attitude. you want. You just shouldn't. You just really, really shouldn't. I just like that for a while, owning a giant golden novelty coin the size of a bike tire was a solid investment. Yeah. In Canada. You could put your money into Boeing, you could put your money into all sorts of, you know, hedge funds, mutual funds, or you could just buy an excessively large golden fucking novelty coin. Yeah. Just as good. Equal, equal value... About the same rate of appreciation. 400% rate of appreciation. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's nice. <laughs> I don't know what what the, what the market was between those years, but that sounds decent. Here I am getting 4% interest on my savings account like a sucker. <laughs> you rube. You should have bought a giant fuck-off loony. <laughs> <laughs> One of the coins, after being sold to a private collector, was then loaned in 2010 to the Bode Museum in Berlin, which has an extensive coin collection. This is where it all goes wrong. Oh, no. Between 3.20 and 3.45 a.m. on March 27th, at least two burglars broke into the Bode Museum using a ladder to climb into a window from the elevated train tracks below. So this was high-tech shit. High-tech shit. They used a ladder. A ladder. And that's it. The magnificent technology that is a ladder, which I'm pretty sure is one of humanity's first 100 inventions. (laughs) Stairs between two sticks. <laughs> There's stairs you can take places. Portable stairs. <laughs> it's right up there with fire and bread. They then loaded the coin into a wheelbarrow and carted it away. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about this being a coin you had to carry with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Beat you to it. Damn it. God damn it. You world. are not the first person to have this thought. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't do it. Someone in Germany last year, and yes, this was last year, 2017, had the exact same idea. Uh, in July 2017, police raids and arrests were made in relation to the theft of the coin, but as of yes, there, yet there is little information available to the public on the specific rationale behind the raids or the identities of the arrested suspects. Likewise, the coin has not been found, as experts <laughs> suggest that it was melted down to cash in on its value in gold. And that is no way to treat a lady. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, when you buy priceless art, there's, like, shady people who just have a, get a kick out of having an authentic Vermeer in their bathroom. But, like, who is such a connoisseur of Canadian memorabilia that they just want to illegally own a $4 million gold coin and just keep it in the garage? Nope. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody has that. Like, that's the reason why we really only made six. 
Yeah, Canada makes a commemorative coin collection every year, and they every push year. so hard for you to collect it. They just really, really want you to care. They want you to give a shit. They want you to give a so shit. So bad. So badly. I have a couple of them. There was, uh, they, they do, sometimes they do one for uh, each province. Mm-hmm. So they do, during Olympic years, they tend to do sports. You can find yourself a little luge quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, though, they just end up in circulation at various Canadian 7-Elevens and Tim Hortons because no oh, one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. Your your weird aunt, who you never talk to, gives you this for Christmas and it probably cost her, like, four times at least the face value of the coins themselves. But to you, it's basically worth five bucks. <laughs> I know, I had a coin collection as a kid and I was so excited because I was, you know, I'd like see on TV coin collections could be worth, like, millions of dollars and then I was like, ah, oh, right. That's only if you have coins from a country people care about. <laughs> God and damn it. Nobody, nobody cares about Canada. No. Yeah. It's tragic. Oh. Yeah. And I have to say to the German thieves themselves, why don't you love us? <laughs> love us enough to keep our big motherfucking loony in your basement until your grandchildren find it and have, ha- have some odd thoughts about what granddad used to do. I'm just gonna go, like, stand outside the German embassy to the U.S., which I'm sure there's one here in New York City. Probably. Um, failing that, I'll just go stand outside the U.N. <laughs> um, Give I, Merkel a piece of your I mind. am. I'm just gonna be like, where's the coin? Give it back! Give us our loony! Reparations! Why aren't you investigating? <laughs> Do something! So then I'm gonna get disappeared. Into Justice! It. I'm going to be held Justice in for Liz. immigration deep detainment camp. But, you know, until then. <laughs> until then. I will fight for justice in the Canadian way. <laughs> which is to mint stupid coins. And then send stern letters to officials. Huzzah. A very stiff letter. Perhaps on cardboard. <laughs> that was a terrible pun. You are banished from <laughs> this. No, get away. Get off this podcast. You're the worst. I can physically push you now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't this 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 stool is delicate. That's true. You didn't pick it, a wheelchair. I can't. It is unwieldy. You. That's true. You're sitting on a cheap IKEA stool that could collapse at any time. <laughs> My life hangs in the balance. <laughs> Our second story for today is the story of the theft of one of Canada's most important cultural treasures, the symbol and pillar of our nation. Goo from a tree! It was a brutal attack on the Canadian way of life, a devastating loss that left a nation on its knees. Which, to be clear, our way of life is eating goo from trees. Mmm, delicious, delicious goo. (laughs) Concentrated tree sap that we put on breakfast. Mmm, and anything Mm. you want, really. Anything you want. There's really no limitation. There's no rules there. No rules. Well, actually, there's many rules, but they're mostly about when and where you can sell maple syrup. They're not about how you can eat it. And whether you can wear a hijab in public. Mm. That's the rules in Quebec. Thanks, Quebec. Awkward. Yeah, (laughs) very awkward. (laughs) I will point out that you guys still have a massive crucifix in the middle of your legislature. (laughs) I don't think you get to be judgy about how people get to get to declare their religious religious beliefs. I don't think you get to. <laughs> You've been banned. <laughs> Minor details. Minor details. Other than that, Quebec is a lawless land where the drinking age is a mere suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> I went there once with an 18-year-old. They nearly <laughs> killed him. <laughs> it was upsetting. <laughs> I got completely hammered in Montreal at, like... Montreal doesn't give a fuck. It's rain, storm, sleet tail end of a hurricane they don't give an any form of shit we got absolutely polluted in montreal 
and nobody asked me for any ID. I think I was 19, so I was I was legal, but I really wanted to be asked for ID at that point. <laughs> I really liked proving that I could drink, because I was living in New Brunswick at the time, and I was just legal. <laughs> and I was so wasted. I came around the corner, and Simple Plan was playing, like, a random street concert, and I was like, unclear if this is happening or if this is just a junior high fantasy brought to life by... <laughs> Many drugs and much alcohol. We will put, like, my childhood, we put maple on everything. Mm -hmm. It is in cookies. It is on pancakes. It is in candy. It is in beans. You can get maple-flavored beans here, just in a can. Oh, it's both a condiment and a main course. Mm. <laughs> we don't give a fuck. We went to a, a sucre when I was in elementary school. We went to, like, a genuine one in Quebec. Like a terrifying bearded man with a sash, like a French Canadian sash, just like serves you at a rough hewn table he made himself. <laughs> they just serve you meat and potatoes and various pies, and then there's just bottles of maple syrup on the table. You just pour it in everything. Everything. E absolutely. On the meat, on, on your, the potatoes, absolutely. on yourself, <laughs> on your friends. It is all encouraged. A golden shower means something different in Canada. Very different. It's far more delightful. <laughs> oh God! Don't but go around. Just as kinky. Don't go around telling people you like golden showers. I'm not. I'm not bailing you out of that situation. Canadian golden shower needs to be on Urban Dictionary. No. <laughs> still a sex act. It is some... still equally sticky. <laughs> oh God! No! 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 Oh no! But to set the stage for our tale, we're going to have to talk about. The phenomenon of government-sanctioned agricultural cartels in Canada. Yay? Oh, no, this is true. Canada's, a lot of Canada's organized crime goes through adorable channels. Like wheat. <laughs> wheat. <laughs> yeah. It's not technically criminal, but that's just because the, Canada, the Canadian government gives it a nod and a wink. So a cartel is when a group of apparently independent producers, who in theory should be in direct competition with one another, collude and coordinate their activities to fix the price or limit the supply of the good they sell. You can think of them as similar to a kind of decentralized monopoly. Oligopolies, where a small number of sellers or producers dominate a single industry, often have a strong incentive to engage in collusion of this kind. So a cartel is not always a group of scary Mexican drug lords who cut people's heads off and stick them to bomb tortoises. Yeah, actually, in fact, drug cartels aren't even cartels. Oh, damn it. Uh, they aren't cartels in the classic sense because, generally speaking, they are actually competing with one another. In fact, if they weren't in competition, they'd probably be far less violent. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They're not cartels. I don't know why we call them that. Everything I've ever known is a lie. Because everything I've ever known is related to Mexican drug cartels. That's it. Truth. <laughs> everything you know. Your childhood was spun on fiction, woven by lies. And I, of course, have a degree in lies. In fact, I have a master's in it. That's a, that's a joke carried over from the last episode, which was a week ago for you, but was just a few hours ago for us. If you don't remember, get yourself checked. You've probably had a heavy concussion in the meantime. Or you're new. In which case, hello, new listener. I hope you haven't been scared off by my lust after the queen. Oh, God. If you have, you're probably not going to last long, though. So, eh. Yeah, pretty par for the course here. <laughs> like monopolies, cartels are usually targeted by antitrust laws. 
but in certain circumstances, both monopolies and cartels can be a way of solving specific market failures or instability within a given market. Or preventing Google from legally owning people. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's actually not happening. Google fully has a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> the Americans are less willing to step in when things go wrong. <laughs> Antitrust laws in the U.S. are like the drinking age in Quebec. <laughs> They're a suggestion. They're a mere suggestion. <laughs> they are a glossomer hope of some poor, poor legislator with the best intentions. <laughs> this is why governments some will sometimes grant a monopoly or allow pr producers in a given industry to engage in anti-competitive practices traditionally associated with illegal cartels. It all has to do with the restriction of supply. See, in many industries, particularly agriculture... You can't be certain how much supply will be available in a given year, as production depends highly on weather conditions, soil quality, wildlife activity, etc. Goddamn weather. <laughs> Which, contrary to your family's beliefs, is not controlled by Canadian government-owned moon lasers. The vast majority of my family does not believe in government-controlled moon lasers. The fact that there is anybody in your family who believes in government-controlled moon lasers. My family is extremely large, and therefore only a tiny percentage of my family both extremely closely related to me, believe in government moon lasers. <laughs> I always say, like, I can kind of understand when people have conspiracy theories involving the American government because it's large and sort of shadowy and there's yeah, lots of secret it's branches. mysterious. Sure, if you want to believe in conspiracies about the American government, you go right ahead. But if you believe in a government conspiracy that requires the Canadian government to be complicit, you need to rethink. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whenever you're thinking about a global conspiracy, you need to stop and be like, are the Canadians in on this? <laughs> because if they are, mm, mm. that doesn't seem like it'll go through. We're the weak link in global conspiracy. We are absolutely the the, the short asthmatic kid in a game in, in the global game of, of <laughs> Rover, Rover, please come over. You have to remember that Red like Rover. there was a you there was a national political scandal over whether somebody pushed somebody else in parliament. Yeah. It, we called it elbow gate. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're not good at Someone anything. may or may not have elbowed somebody else in the boob, and this was a weeks-long scandal. <laughs> so, it has been the biggest thing to rock the liberal government <laughs> since their election. <laughs> yeah, so maybe... He the... said sorry repeatedly. Maybe the Canadian government doesn't control the weather. <laughs> They can barely control their own their own limbs. I was like, they can't control Quebec, so <laughs> Yeah. You you know the moment that there was an actual moon laser conspiracy that Quebec would be in a massive snit that they didn't get to sign off on it. God damn it, that needs they to be They probably used the non-withstanding clause on the moon conspiracy. It needs to be in both official languages. <laughs> Just extremely angry that the government moon laser plan wasn't written in both English and French. Absolute scandal. And that insufficient like percentages of the moon laser parts were built in Gatineau. <laughs> Made from the finest Quebec asbestos, <laughs> which continues to be one of their largest exports. Da, we're da, not da. good at being a country. We're, we're not good at this. <laughs> we are not. If, if Canada is run by reptilians... They're the ones that none of the other reptilians like to talk to. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things when people try to argue with me about universal health care. They're like, it doesn't work. I'm like, well, I'm from a country that's mostly bears with a main export of asbestos, and I'm still going to outlive you. <laughs> so, thumbs up. <laughs> so because of this uncertainty in supply, it is therefore useful 
to have a system where you can hold some of the supply back in plentiful years and reintroduce that supplies in times of scarcity, smoothing out the availability of the product and likewise fluctuations that could cause the price of a staple good like wheat to either skyrocket or crash. Are we talking about the goddamn Canadian wheat board? We are not talking about the wheat board. Oh no, we're talking about something even better. Oh no. That particular example of a legitimate use of this kind of system doesn't mean that they aren't controversial. Canadian agriculture has several high-profile examples of these kinds of legally sanctioned pseudo-cartels. It's government hoarding. The most famous of which is supply management, also known as the dairy cartel. (laughs) Dairy, egg, and poultry producers within Canada are required to buy into a quota, quota system, which puts a definite cap on the amount of these goods that can be produced, wasting food instead of instead of selling it when producers go over quota. You can't really store dairy long term. It doesn't keep. <laughs> I just like to imagine the dairy cartel is just a series of angry cows with billy clubs <laughs> that will come beat the shit out of you if you buy soy milk. <laughs> it's not entirely dissimilar. <laughs> Additionally, imports from outside the country face steep tariffs. Oh my god, buying cheese in Canada is the worst. It's the worst. Everything costs so much money. Yeah. First thing I did when I got to the US, I was like, oh my god, is that what cheese costs here? I'm I've I'm home. Yeah. I found it. <laughs> my roommate likes nice, fancy imported parmesan, and when I saw what it the cost of it per kilo, I nearly fainted. This is basically your roommate's main expense in life. Yeah. It's not tuition, it's not rent. It is the fact that he has to buy his number one love in life, imported Italian Parmesan, at the cost of roughly a small car. (laughs) Every time my parents go to the U.S., they return with a cooler filled with cheese, like the hillbillies that we are. Canadians who live close to the border are just aggressively bootlegging basic dairy. (laughs) They are. (laughs) This limitation of supply and punitive tariffs raises the cost of these products, essentially acting as a de facto tax on consumers, which is why the bootlegging happens. This is why you have to pay for cheese with one of your children. Yeah. Do you really want to keep Timmy around, or do you just really want some Gouda for the rest of your life? (laughs) I don't know. Gouda's really tasty. In Dutch, it's pronounced Houda. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Not that I'm ever going to pronounce it that way. So like, when are you asking for Gouda in Denmark? I mean, it's not Denmark. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's the Netherlands. That's right. <laughs> You've been in America I know. less than a year. It actively erases information about other countries from your brain. You're slowly... You're, you're, your understanding of geography is dissolving like seltzer as we speak. <laughs> I see 94 American flags per day. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum. The and that's brain. when you don't go outside. <laughs> you just glance out your door and just see, like, a wave of old glory. <laughs> but enough about milk. Let's talk about maple. Oh, God. The Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers, or the FPAQ, is Canada's OPEC our very own maple mafia, but with a product usually over 20 times the price of oil per barrel. The province of Quebec is responsible for over 70% of the global supply and has a lot of power when it comes to the price of the original sticky icky. What the fuck? Nobody calls it that. (laughs) No. 
and the Federation aggressively enforces the rules that protect its protect its mapleopoly. They will disappear, and, Aunt Jemima. And it's mapleopsony. Oh god, no, these are all terrible terms. <laughs> If you don't know what a monopsony is, look it up. No. It's a great term. Don't. There's so much to do in this life. <laughs> you don't need to learn obscure economic terms. <laughs> but what do they do with all that beautiful golden syrup that isn't gracing the pancakes of apple-cheeked children all across America? The excess product that the Federation uses to control the flow. That brings us to the Global Strategic Maple, maple Syrup Reserve. It's just maple hoarding. Yeah. Officially known as the International Strategic Reserve... The ISR. Even though it's literally just Quebec. It's just large tanks filled with maple syrup yeah, we that just we have, hoard in Quebec. We just have massive warehouses. Of government syrup. Of government syrup that no one's allowed to touch. <laughs> <laughs> this is why other countries don't want to invite us to things. Yeah, because we're fucking weird. <laughs> we are the kid that sniffs glue in the back of math class. <laughs> And, like, always wants to know if you want to come over to your to his house, even though you've never talked before. Right, we have these, like, global economic summits, and they're like, alright, how do we solve the economy? And they're like, okay, we need to, you know, stimulate the economy, do we need to rescue banks? Do we, you know, do we need to change taxes? Do we need to change tariffs? And Canada's like, <sighs> maple syrup. How about, follow me on this, we take all the maple syrup, we put it in barrels, and they're like, whoa, 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 we are stopping you. Right there. It's like, God damn it, Canada. <laughs> this is your response to everything. No one else even likes this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, FPAC, or FPAC, if you prefer, has been trying desperately to get other countries to eat more of our maple syrup. They're currently trying desperately to foist it off on Japan. <laughs> eat it. Eat, eat it. it. <laughs> yeah. We go to, like, Hiroshima on a regular basis and just bring them bring them samples of syrup and try to convince them to put it on everything. A lot of people, like non-Canadians I know, do not enjoy it. They find it mm. actively unpleasant. Yeah. It's so sweet that it's almost, like, paralyzing. Yeah, it is sickeningly saccharine. You just, you have some, and then your pancreas, like, just tries to kill itself. It, it, it <laughs> actively tries to escape your body. <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck is that? You get back in there. <laughs> your pancreas will try to leave you. It will file for divorce. In, in like, you will lose custody of your internal organs if you drink enough of this stuff. I mean, like, the U.S. tries to make a variety of maple syrup. I think there's varieties that are made in Vermont. Mm -hmm. But with the way that this is going, the Quebec maple cartels will just sort of quietly cut Vermont out of the country and just push it out to sea. <laughs> oh, they will. There can be They're only impressive. one. <laughs> They'll sink Vermont into the ocean. Yeah. Like, the number one fear of maple producers is the fact that the state of New York has enough has more maple trees than all of the maple farms in Quebec. So if it upstate keeps New York, them awake at night. If upstate New York just mysteriously goes up in flames. Yeah. You know who did it. <laughs> you know. Awesome. It was a bunch of French Canadians with a grudge. <laughs> the ISR is stored in three warehouses. One is Saint-Antoine de Tilly, another smaller facility in Plessisville, and a third in Saint-Louis de Blanfort, which holds 4,500 tons of syrup, all of it worth $1,800 a barrel. Uh, it is this last warehouse in Saint-Louis de Blanfort that syrup inspector Michel Gauvreau made a shocking discovery. When he was clambering about the stacks of barrels, one very nearly tipped. 
and when Gavro knocked on it, it rung like a gong. I'm just still kind of mad that all of my problems in this world could be solved with a single barrel of maple syrup. <laughs> right. I'm still mad. It's disgusting. It's good. It's delicious. We had it for dinner last mm. night. I don't think you're in a position to criticize. But <laughs> As a present to Janelle, the only thing I brought her, I brought a single 250 milliliter maple leaf shaped bottle of grade A Canadian gold. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, it's, as a Canadian, it's like my pancreas has just been bench-pressing a thousand my whole life. And now that I'm, like, not subjected to anything quite that sweet, I'm going into some sort of shock. <laughs> so Cultural shock? Not so much. Maple syrup shock. <laughs> Absolutely. That's real. <laughs> but no, all of my student loans, uh, my inability to ever purchase a home for myself, um, just everything. Everything could be solved. With a single barrel of goo harvested from a tree, <laughs> somewhere in Quebec by a bearded man. <laughs> God damn it. The syrup had been stolen from barrels either left empty or filled with water to cover the thieves' tracks. Nearly 540,000 gallons unaccounted for with a street value of $13.4 million and no way to tell when the, th when the theft took place. Do they not have, like, security cameras at their maple facility? I have no idea. Do they just assume, like, nobody wants this? <laughs> we can't even sell this. Nobody wants this. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people even know that there's a that there's a massive syrup reserve? How many people would even think to do this? And even then, even then, how many people have the wherewithal and the resources to break into a warehouse and steal... This much maple syrup. I don't even know. How it, do you do it like you steal gas out of a car? You just sort of stick a hose in and suck start to siphon? Like, what Funnily do you... Funnily enough, yes. Do you that's really? That's exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than siphoning gasoline. That, that's Absolutely. fucking gross. Mm. The, big, the big threat here is if, like, a French-Canadian will just be driven wild by the first taste and just drink the entire barrel. I, was, I would suck start a maple barrel, which is <laughs> sounds like a Canadian sex act, but is, in fact, just an act of gluttony. <laughs> One of the seven sins, in, sins is involved, but it is not lust. <laughs> <laughs> this terrible event, the theft of 12.5% of the strategic reserve, became known as the Great Maple Syrup Heist. <laughs> Even our crimes are sad. <laughs> We're being a little overdramatic. <laughs> At the end of the day, it is just syrup. But I think I just heard in the background, I think my Canadian citizenship has just been revoked. <laughs> I want to know, like, who... You're reselling this to. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I assume... The... I will be answering that question. I was gonna say, I assume, like, the main buyers of maple syrup are people in airports who are out of ideas for things to bring back from Canada? That's what happened to me! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I assume that's how we're, we're buying most of it. Canadians use Aunt Jemima like everyone else. <laughs> or rather, they use President's Choice breakfast syrup. Mm. It's 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 almost exactly the same, except it doesn't have like a weird caricature of a black lady on it. Yeah, you actually can't, I think, eat maple syrup on a daily basis and survive. No, you will die. <laughs> so... Like, you have to be careful when you're using maple syrup because if you pour it on your pancakes like it is like it is the the regular butter syrup. Uh, you might die. <laughs> you might OD. Which is what makes it really fun that all Canadian, all maple syrup comes in a bottle that has like a four inch fucking neck. So there's no way to pour it in moderation. That there's just, it no just comes graceful out way to pour that on your pancakes. Nobody has ever packaged maple syrup with a top that makes sense. 
No one. <laughs> it has that tiny little handle, and it has way way too big, large, large of a flow. <laughs> it's a heavy flow bottle. It is a heavy, heavy flow bottle. This brings us to the question that Janelle just asked. How exactly does one fence 540,000 gallons of premium grade maple syrup? I'm asking like both out of curiosity and because um, Columbia is not cheap. So (laughs) this is a duly important question to me. (laughs) We may have certain vested motivations. (laughs) It's not as hard as you might think. Oh, that's good news. Authorized Quebec producers can only sell up to their quota in a given year. So if they make over that, they end up with a lot of excess sap on their hands and a strong incentive to make some money off of it. There are also plenty of people who don't like to play by the Federation's rules. Rogue producers and barrel rollers, gray market syrup dealers who buy and sell syrup to exporters in the Maritimes and to the south of the border, outside the reach of the Maple Mafia. Selling unauthorized syrup isn't exactly the kind of thing people see prison time for, but the fines can reach into the millions of dollars. The police tracked down approximately two-thirds of the stolen syrup and made 18 arrests in December 2012. One of the masterminds of the heist was Avec Caron, whose wife owned the Saint-Louis-de-Blanfort warehouse, giving him ample ample access to the goods. I'm glad you pronounced all that, because I'm not going to attempt any of it. Ever. (laughs) He and his accomplices used a tractor trailer to take the barrels out to a sugar shack belonging to Raymond Valliere, where they emptied the barrels of sweet, sweet tree juice and filled them with water from the lake. Ew. Richard Valliere, son of Raymond Valliere, a notable barrel roller, is alleged to have then sold the product on to New Brunswick and the United States. Aha! They, alongside New Brunswick syrup exporter Etienne Saint-Pierre, have all been convicted in relation to the theft, bringing our story to its sticky, sticky conclusion. We don't have good crime in New Brunswick. No, we no, don't. You have all the worst crime. I mean, we sort of we talked about like a serial killer in New Brunswick last week, but that's pretty much the most exciting that it gets. No, it's uh, everything else other than that is just gray market syrup. It's, yeah, it's petty sap heists. <laughs> God, that's depressing. Yeah. Now, if only they could find the hundred grand of blueberries stolen from a- a- Hamilton, Ontario last February. Is that a real thing? Yes. That's oh. not a joke. <laughs> We're a boring country that steals foodstuffs. <laughs> We're just a bunch of rogue bandits searching for the next breakfast high. <laughs> I mean, other countries steal diamonds. They steal paintings. We're just the components of a hearty blueberry <laughs> breakfast. That's all we've got. Blueberry pancakes. That's depressing. Mm. In any case, that concludes our uh, our podcast on Canadian-themed heists. That concludes Canada's dignity on this <laughs> podcast. That's Just it. Just a complete, complete end to a once-great nation. We've mocked Canada well, repeatedly on this podcast. A once-acceptable nation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Olympics now. We're more than acceptable. I think we're in third. <laughs> Go Canada. Punching above our weight. <laughs> Blueberry heists and luge. That's all you need to have a great nation. We are a very modern country in terms of our achievements. <laughs> Which is a fun way of saying that we don't war very good. Well, um, we've, we've, they produced us, <laughs> so that's all they need to do. Truly, Fat French and Fabulous is the height of Canadian achievement. <laughs> Peak artistic output. So, signing off, I am Jessica. I'm still Janelle. And we are Fat French. French. And fabulous. fabulous. That just works so much better in it person. It just does. God damn it. It's never going to be this good it's again. It's dependent on body language. <sighs> damn it. I hate being in person with people. Ugh.
gross. <laughs> Get away from me. Stop breathing my air. No. <sighs> Mom! <laughs> She's doing it again. <laughs> okay. We're gonna go.